I have a number of instruments in my possession. Many of them are of the stringed variety. I, I have a number of guitars. I confess that to you, but not all of them. I didn't buy all of them, so it's not my fault that there's several. I have several that were given to me, and I really appreciate that. And I've got electric guitars and acoustic guitars, bass guitars. I, I love all the stringed. I celebrate all the stringed uh, variety. But if you ask me what my favorite guitar was in, in, in my collection, you might think it, it might be the one that's, you know, got the greatest street value. You know, I go sell it on the market. Uh, maybe you think it's the electric guitar because it can get really loud. Although if you don't plug it in, it's very quiet. Um, so you might think it's one of those. And actually, my favorite guitar is uh, an old beat-up guitar. It's an old beat-up acoustic guitar. Uh, it's considered a knockoff Martin D18. And if you know Martin Guitar Company, they've been making guitars for like 150 years or whatever. Well, this guitar it was modeled slash copied uh, by their, one of their famous D18 guitars. And uh, so the guitar that I have, my favorite, is this old Takamine guitar that, um, that was basically called the Lawsuit Guitar because Martin had to, to, to write this really nasty letter to the Takamine Guitar Company and tell them to quit copying their guitars. Well, I still have it. It's up on my wall. It's my favorite guitar. No, it's not the most valuable. Uh, it, it's not the most flashy. But uh, why, why do I love it so much? Well, it was given to me, given to me by someone I love, and it was uh, my beginning of learning this instrument that would shape a lot of my career. And, uh, and that was the guitar that I, I took to Nashville with a couple of friends, and we made music and wrote songs and had a great little career. And it was all on that guitar. Now, later I got other guitars, but that's still near and dear to my heart, and I will never sell that guitar. My kids are just going to have to figure that out later. They're going to have to figure out what to do with Dad's old acoustic guitar. But it, it means a lot. It, it, I think about things of value. And we all have things we value. Uh, what what, what be, would be the most valuable thing you have right now in your possession? And no, hold on a second. Don't get all spiritual and lovey-dovey on me. I know your most valuable thing in your life is the people in your life, okay? If you're married, it's your spouse. I get that. That's a given. What in your possession is like a material thing that you have that's very valuable? Go ahead, you talk about it. It's okay, online, oh, we see you. Uh, tell somebody else in your bedroom, I don't know where you're at watching this thing today. Uh, what is the most valuable thing? Tell someone around you what's the most valuable thing you have. Yeah, it may not be a guitar. Uh, oh, some of you say, yeah, some of you guys were talking about uh, your Precious Moments dolls. Those are your most valuable possession. Maybe some of you, it's uh, jewelry. I don't know what it might be. Some of us, uh, you know, maybe you got an incredible gun collection or... Maybe you have a, a really great, you know, old Harley Davidson, I don't know. We know things have value and they have worth. But when you think about things that really matter, the things that are really worth our time and effort and protection, yeah, they're probably going to be more about those relationships. And I guess that begs the next question. What about you? How, how valuable are you? Did you, you wake up this morning feeling that you were valued, that you were worth something, that you, you felt like you mattered today? Are, are you feeling valuable 
today. And, and you know, if it's, if it's a good day, I mean, for many of us right now, the, the sun is out, we got some vitamin D in us, so we're feeling pretty good. Like, it's a good day. But for some of us, maybe, maybe we kind of woke up on that wrong side of bed, and we start, we start questioning that, am I worth something? I know many people that when they finally hit that retirement age, what they've all been striving for, everybody tells us you got to strive for that retirement, the day after you're retired, you don't have to go into the office, and nobody's counting on you. And, and so sometimes, depending on the season of life we're in, we might feel a little doubtful of our value. And, and maybe, maybe you're there today, and if you are there today, I'm so glad you're here. Because today is going to be a game changer for you. Because value matters, and God values you so much today. And I'm, I'm going to spend the next 20 minutes or so trying to make the best argument that I can of how valuable you are. We're in this series that we call uh, Identity. And what we're doing is we're trying to unpack every week the, the foundational truth about who you are anyway. In, in fact, one theologian that I read not too long ago said that this idea of, of, of identity is the world's most fundamental problem because we simply, so many simply don't understand who they are. It's a fundamental problem that we have in, in not just the world, but in our, our, our society, our community, even right here. Who are you? It's a crucial question, and that's what we've been doing in this series. Uh, last week, if you were here, uh, it was on Easter. What a, what a great celebration that, that was. And uh, we, we talked about how we are unconditionally loved. And that was like the, the, the game-changing starting point, right? If you were here, you are so loved by God. That if anything else, if there's everything else going wrong in your life, you got to realize that you are so unconditionally loved by God. We talked about that last week, right? There's no strings attached. God loves you so much. Even in your mess, even in your struggle, God loves you. In fact, we, we said something last week, right? That, that, that when you're, you say yes to Jesus, you're invited to this family of love that's, that's set up by a, a heavenly father that loves you radically. And we're invited to be not only become but to live as sons and daughters of the king that we talked about last time that that we have like a backstage pass we have preferred status we have gold card membership we can go directly to a god our father and talk to him we have that kind of access and we're invited to that 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 family because we are radically loved by god and, and, and our point last weekend was, hey, if you, you haven't seized that opportunity, if you haven't said yes to be part of that family of love, you could do that today. And, and you'll get another opportunity later. But we said something last week. See if you can remember it. If you, if you watched online or you caught it, we, we all said something together. And see if we can do this. God's love for me. You ready? That? You remember this? God's love. Say it. Come on. God's love for me is unearned, unconditional and isn't that unbelievable? I think we can do that one more better. One more better. It's on the screen. for okay, So God's, ready? God's love for me is unearned, unconditional, and isn't that unbelievable? We are so loved by God. And, and we're going to move a, a little bit farther down the field in this series today. This is episode two. And we're going to talk about how much God values you today. 
You see, we, we are infinitely, infinitely valued by God. And that's what we're talking about today. Hey, let me just say this real quick. Some of you got a little passport when you came in either last week or maybe you grabbed one out there on our welcome table. Really encourage you to use that as a tool just to go a little bit deeper each week as we go into this series. Some of you have already given me some good feedback on how that's helped you in your personal devotional time. So grab one of those passports. In fact, every week if you want to do this, I know this sounds cheesy, but I love this stuff. You, you can actually get them to stamp it with a little fingerprint stamp every week that you're here. I know it's gimmicky, but sometimes it's fun, okay? So just have a little fun, you know, not, let's not be so serious all the time. But uh, I encourage you to use that tool as, as, as a way to grow uh, deeper. And today, let's bow for a word of prayer and, and hear about how valuable you and I are. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your love and faithfulness, your mercies that are new every morning. Lord, you, you love us so much. We are unconditionally loved. We also know, Father, by the scriptures and by your word, you tell us that we are worth so much. So, Father, help us lean into your scriptures, lean into the word, and help us uh, leave this place changed, encouraged, and ready to make a difference in the world because of your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've got a Bible or device, uh, you could find Genesis chapter 1 because I want you to find one phrase at the end of Genesis chapter 1 that's really, really crucial as we kick off this little argument that I'm going to make for you about how valuable we are. All right, you've got to give me some time to, to build this argument up. Today we start in Genesis, great place to start. That's the beginning of the Bible. I've been doing a Bible reading thing. I don't know how many people, I know we're in April. I don't know if you started like a Bible reading plan, either on an app or, or your own. I'm kind of old school, so I actually get the old thing out. But I've been on this, this uh, reading plan of Scripture where I do about 15 chapters of the Bible a day. And what that's done is it's, it's, it's getting me through the Bible a lot. And I read several sections many times. And every time I come back to Genesis. And Genesis arguably is a tough book, okay? Let's just say that now. It's a tough book. Even the first three chapters, you're like, your head is spinning, wondering what in the world is going on. God's making universes and lights, and we don't know what's going on. He's creating atmospheres and all of that. But we get back to that, 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 that sequence where God creates the universe and the earth. And he's creating all this stuff. And it's all, what the, the Bible says this phrase several times. God saw what he created, and it was, see if you remember, Good. Okay. We get through all of that and he's creating stuff and stuff's working. He's, he's hanging up the stars, all the things that he's doing. It's very sciencey. I know I just sounded very sciencey there. But he gets to the last part of the creation and he creates, who does he create? Humanity. Kind of the crowning of the whole creation system here, the process. And we get to humanity. And, uh, and we find out in Genesis chapter 1, and feel, feel free to grab that, Genesis chapter 1, and we get toward the end there, around verse 24, 25, somewhere in there, uh, God said, let us make man in our image. Now, there's a lot we can unpack right there, but let's just, just suffice it to say, God created this special creation called humanity in his, what? Image. His likeness. Some of your, your English translations might say likeness. So we're made in his image image. And, and guess what? Flip, flip ahead a little bit. Look at verse 31. So remember, God was creating all this stuff and he looked at it and said, oh, it's good. Now what does he say when he finishes creating humanity? He looked at it. Do you see in verse 31? And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. Mucho gusto. It was very good. It was very good. You see, right away in my argument today, I want you to know that you're infinitely valuable to God. And it starts with the fact that you and I are uniquely gifted to be his image bearers. 
we're actually the image of God. He puts his implant in us. We're, we're, we're made to reflect his glory. We're actually made in the image of God. There is nothing like humanity. I'm going to talk more about that. I'm actually going to quote the late Sir Ken Robinson, who had a very famous TED Talk several years ago. He passed away a couple years ago, actually. And so next weekend, if you're here, I really want you to hear this. i got a statement that he makes. It's just unbelievable about humanity. We are uniquely created. Uniquely created. There's nothing like us on the planet. And we are made to, to be image bearers. So that's a starting point for our value. Nothing else in creation has that. We are his image bearers. It was very good. Nothing in creation gets this qualifier. We got it. It's ours. Humanity. We did it. And, and we're very esteemed by God for that reason alone. But let's take it another notch. Let's take it up a notch now. All right, so image bearers. Okay, you're still maybe skeptical with me. You're not sure. Image bearers. And here's the next one. We are saints in Jesus. In Jesus, you and I are made saints. By faith in him, we're made saints. Now, you might be thinking, well, I don't know. I don't, I'm not like those saints of old or whatever. Well, you, we've gotten kind of a mis, uh, misunderstanding about what sainthood actually means. Look, we are, we are, we are saints who may stump, sometimes sin. We may struggle with sin sometimes, but we're saints. We are made saints by, by faith in Christ. You know, believe me, 1 first, first Peter 2.9. Peter spent a lot of time with Jesus directly. And toward the end of the New Testament, he's writing some letters. And he wrote this in 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We in Christ are saints. We are saints we're a holy nation, a royal priesthood. In Christ, we have special, special value. So that's the second thing. So we're, we're created as his image bearers. We are saints in Jesus. We are saints, sons and daughters of the most king. And here's the third thing. We are significant enough for Jesus to have died for us. Now, you may not always reflect on that every day, but if you think about the reality of, of, of a perfect God putting on flesh, walking among us, and through Jesus, he, he pays for all of our sin, past, present, and future, rises from the dead, gives us hope. All this he did because you and I are so valuable to him. That he would pull out all the stops. There's nothing he wouldn't do for us. And he did that for us. And that means we are significant. We are significant enough for Jesus to die for. Romans 5.8 reminds us that, look, even when we were just knee-deep, I'm adding my own words here, knee-deep in sin, even when we weren't even looking for any kind of spiritual stuff, even when we were knee-deep in the worst of our sin, he thought it a good idea to do that for us. That's how much he loves you. He values you. You are significant enough that Jesus would die for you. All right, so maybe you're not convinced yet. Okay. John 10.10. 10. If you're familiar with John 10.10, 10, it says that I have come that they might have life and life abundant, the best life ever. God values you so much that he even designed a life just for you. You have a custom-designed life by God. He, he actually saw you before you even took your first breath. And he had like a plan for you. 
He had some things he wanted you to do, and that involves truly being alive. I love that N.T. Wright, one of the theologians, one of my favorites of, of, of the current era, and N.T. Wright talks about this idea that we are fully alive in Christ. That actually when you say yes to Jesus, you're now almost remade as a new human. And you learn to walk the new ways of the new humanity that was modeled by Jesus. That, that means you're going to show patience when you want to slap somebody. It means you're going to put generosity, you're going to put someone else's needs above your own. That's the new way, the new ethic of the kingdom. You're so valued that God designed a life for you. And when you say yes to Jesus, you're now part of that new humanity that N.T. Wright talks about. You're a new human, a new creation is how Paul says it. So we are, we are given this life. And I love what one theologian said. I'll, 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 quote, I'll read this quote. Show me somebody who is continually growing in the fruit of the Spirit, whose life is characterized by love, joy, come on, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and our favorite, self-control. Will that person have a good sense of identity and value? Yes, indeed. This is the true way to be human. We, 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 we hear this, we think, well, sometimes we think we're smarter than God. We're going we're to run our own way for a while, get all mixed up in whatever we want to do, because nobody's the boss of me. We do this. Humanity chases everything. And we, you know, we just can't quite fathom the fact that actually love, joy, peace, patience, that's the new way to be human. That's the way to find freedom and hope. So he's designed a life for you. That's how valuable you are. You know what else he does? And this is, this is right from the Sermon on the Mount. Arguably one of the most game-changing sermons in the, ever, all time, everywhere. The Sermon on the Mount really shows us what, what walking by faith in Christ, living in the kingdom, what it looks like. It shows the kingdom ethic. And in the Sermon on the Mount, right kind of in the middle, Jesus reminds us that we are so valued by God that our needs are on His radar. In fact, He cares about your needs. He cares about the stuff that you need. So you're so valued that He would provide even food and clothing. So if you have a Bible or device, you can find that. We're going to put it up here on the screen. This is just a little part of the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm going to read uh, verse 32 through 34 here. Your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. Clothing, food, that was what he was talking about before. Your heavenly Father knows you need these. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, sum it all up. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen to that? Anyway, each day has enough trouble of its own, so do not worry. He's, he's got your needs on his radar. He's paying attention to what you need. That's how valuable you are. I look around us and I think, wow, that's pretty good. I know some of your stories. You're, you're kind of a sorry lot like me. Yet God infinitely values us enough that our needs are even on the God of the universe's radar. Blows my mind. 
He cares for this stuff. In fact, if you, if you read that in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, I just read a little bit of it, but he, he'll talk about the, the birds of the air, and they're not worried about stuff. And, you know, the, the, the flowers of the field, they're not worried about, you know, should I, should I bloom white today or green? Or, you don't have to worry about that. God says, look, they're not worrying about it. You are so much more valuable to me, is what God is saying, that you don't, have, you don't have to worry about that. Our needs, your needs, are on his radar. That is something else. And look, we don't have time to unpack all of these, but the scriptures also tell us a few other things. In case you needed more ammunition for this argument that I've been trying to make, that you are just valuable. Do you know that we are the first priority over all the creatures of the earth? First priority. We're created uniquely, and we have first priority. Now, we're, we're told to be good stewards of creation, but we have, have that special creation. No other creature has that. And you know what? The scriptures also tell us that God is so interested in you that he even knows how many strands of hair you have on your head, or for some of us, lack thereof. I look around the room, you know, God's going to have an easier time counting some of you than, uh, I don't know, I was getting my hair cut a couple weeks ago, and the gal that was cutting my hair said, well, you're getting a little thin up here. You know, that's not something that you want to hear, right? So we've got to comb that over a little bit. Uh, he knows the hairs on your head. The scriptures tell us that before you even took your first breath, he was watching. He had a plan. While we were being kind of like formed and knitted together in, in the womb, he already knew he had a great idea for you in your life. You know, and the scriptures tell us he knows us by name. He knows your name. The king of kings knows your name. When he's having some dinner time up there in heaven, wherever he dwells, sometimes your, names comes, your name comes up. Have you seen that guy? Seen that gal? They, they, they were doing something nice for somebody today. You're, you're a dinner conversation for God. He knows your name. Now, I don't know that for certain, okay? Right? Some of you Bible scholars out there are like, we don't know that for sure. Okay, we don't know that for sure. I just believe he knows your name. He knows, if he knows how many hairs you have, he certainly knows your name, and you are so valuable to him. You don't believe me still? Okay, let me give you one more. Ephesians chapter 2. Now, some of you know Ephesians 2. It's really important. It's actually, this is a crucial, Ephesians is a crucial book in the Bible. Did you know that? But Ephesians 2 through 4, game-changing scripture. If you have never read that and studied that, good thing to do this week. But Ephesians chapter 2, and, and you may have heard some of the phrases before, for by grace you have been saved, through faith, it's not any great thing you did, just in case you were wondering. No, it's a gift. So by grace you've been saved. But in the end of chapter 2, I think it's about the end, we have wording about how you and I, we've been, we've been uniquely handcrafted by God. In fact, in the Greek, there's a little turn of phrase at the end of Ephesians 2. And I realize most of us don't know Greek. We don't speak Greek all the time. Uh, but there's a little turn of phrase with the word for work. And so in the English, it's like you are God's handiwork, his special creation created to do the work God's created before you ever took your first breath. Isn't that a weird interplay of the word work? That you're his handiwork created to do some work that he's created for you, especially for you. There are things that only you get to do, that God has designed for your life. That's how valuable you are to him. All right. So if I haven't convinced you yet that you are a collector's item, let me bring you one more, and I'm going to get all sciencey, okay? 
This came out a few years ago on Huffington Post. Anybody ever heard of Huffington Post? I think it's called Huff Post now because it's way cooler to abbreviate. But there was a, a, a number of scientists, and I think this was probably done initially just as a fun little, little you know, side gig that they did, but several doctors and scientists got together, and they were trying to figure out if they could, by stats and by logic, all of those different things, they were trying to figure out what are the odds of you being born? This came out a few years ago. You may have actually seen the graphic. Uh, the, the doctor that was involved was Dr., and I, I may say this wrong, uh, Ali uh, Benzazer, I think is the name, and, and that's a contributor. Uh, they, they've contributed a lot to Huffington Post. But they were trying to figure out what are the odds for you being born. You may think that's a weird thing. Well, well consider this. You know, what are the odds that you know, your parents or your, you know, your, 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 your bio parents, when they actually connected and, and when they met and they fell in love and then, you know, what are the odds of that, right? You see what's going on? So they were trying to figure out with all of the variables, what are the odds that you were born? Do you, want, you know what they found out? The odds of you being born are one in four trillion. Now you can look this up. Don't do it now. You can actually look this up. There's a kind of a cool graphic about this whole study. One in four trillion. And so the doctors at the end of the study were kind of laughing because they said, we have just proven by science that you are a miracle. They have just proven by science that you are a miracle. And you are. And you're valuable. You're so valuable. In fact, you know what? You're, you're God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. You are a wonderful work of art that he created special. And your value is so much to him. You are God's masterpiece. He's created you to have this wonderful, abundant life and work that he has created for you specifically. That's how valuable you are. I love the end of one of these movies that, that my family used to watch a lot, which is uh, Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. Everybody ever heard of that movie? It has Dustin Hoffman in it, I think. And, and, and in one of these scenes, it's kind of a cool scene, at the end of it, Dustin Hoffman looks at the main character and says, your life, your life is an occasion, so rise to it. Your life is an occasion, so rise to it. You are so valuable to God. You are so valuable. Your life is an occasion. You don't know that tomorrow's guaranteed. Rise to it. Put a smile on. You know what? God's already smiling down. And he's got some things he wants you to do. And he loves you so much. You're so valued. Your life is an occasion. You are stamped uniquely by God. Have I made the case well enough yet? Come on, can I, can I get a witness yet? Are we valuable to God? Aren't we valuable to Him? Oh, I mean, you, you need to lean into this truth just a little bit. You know, maybe you need to say and maybe put it on a post-it note. Do they still make those? Put it on a post-it note or something where you say, I, I am I'm loved and I'm valued by God. I am loved and I'm valued by God. 1 John 3, 1. One of my favorite parts of the, of the New Testament is, is John's letters. And 1 John 3, 1. In fact, you want to know why? A little rabbit trail. When I was in Bible college, we were I was taking the Greek language. 
And in the Greek language study, we learned the word agape. You might have heard it. It's the, 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 the Greek word for love. It's one of, one of four different or five different words in the Greek language for love. And it has to do with the self-sacrificing love, agape love. Well, the reason, and then so, so at the end of the Greek uh, instruction, we had to do a final. And you had to choose a portion of scripture to translate without any help. And I chose 1 John. You know why? This is a very spiritual reason. Because agape is like every other word. So that shows you the depth of my... <laughs> Literally, the word agape is just like... Anyway, okay, that was a rabbit trail. But listen to this. I digress. Listen to this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what you are. That is what we are. We are children of the Most High God. and He loves you so much and He so valued you that He would do whatever it takes to be in a relationship with you. I love how the fact in the New Testament we find a loving God, an Abba Father, who wasn't just content to create the world and then like hightail it out of there and just say, good luck, or a God that just wants to kind of be around us but really is just there to pounce on us. What we find in the New Testament is a song that we sing every Christmas. We sing Emmanuel. What does that mean? Three words. God with us. He actually wants to be in a relationship with you. That is wonderful. That just shows once again that you are infinitely valued by God. And here's the deal. When we value, or when we know how valuable we are to God, we begin to value the things that He values. It's kind of this interesting thing that happens. So He values us, and then as we get to know Him and grow, and we become kingdom people, we realize, well, I kind of like generosity. I kind of like kindness. I kind of like gentleness. You see, what's happening is, you begin to value the things that God values. In fact, Jesus even told this parable. And we call it the, par uh, the, the parable of the, the pearl of great price. And it's where someone found this parable or this, <laughs> this, this, this pearl and, and, and they sold everything they had. This kind of this representation of the kingdom uh, is the pearl, this very, very precious thing. When you found that thing, you sold everything to get hold of that pearl of great price. You see, we begin to value the things that God values because he loves us so much. Emmanuel, God with us. The gospel good news if, if you needed one more proof, okay, the gospel good news. And gospel just means, yeah, really, literally good news from afar. Gospel in the New Testament really kind of ran against the face of, of, of ancient Rome because gospel was generally a word used to have an announcement of a new Caesar. And when, whenever there was a new person in power, a lot of things changed. Even laws sometimes changed. Well, in the early, in the early followers of Jesus, they co-opted that. And so, no, actually... The real good news is that the King Jesus had come and there was a new kingdom and he was announcing a new way to live. The gospel tells us that God so loved, come on, the world, that he gave his only son. Whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He values you that much to a life that never ends, being with him. In fact, the scriptures tell us that we, we are so valuable. I, I keep going. We're so valuable that he even bought us back. The, the, the terms there are redeemed, purchased back. And he didn't just purchase us, he didn't purchase us with money. He purchased us as 1 Peter 1.19 says, by the precious blood of Jesus. That's how valuable you are today. So I don't know how you woke up today. 
I don't know if you were feeling it or not, but you are so valued. Because of that, you and I can live that reality, that we can walk with him and talk with him. That reminds me of an old hymn. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. Ah, or in the garden. I go to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the word of God discloses, and he walks with me and talks with me. We get to live that reality. You are so valued and loved by God that you get to wake up tomorrow morning and you get to talk directly to him. You get to bring it all to him because he hears, he loves you, and you are so valued. Talk with him. Look, here's the deal, and I'm wrapping it up. No one else's opinion of you matters, but God's opinion of you matters the most. You see, we can't look to other people or other circumstances. Those don't tell us the truth of how valued we are. We are not valued by what we do or what other people think about us. We are valued because of whose we are. We are a child of the King. You are infinitely valued. I want to pray here in a moment, but again, if you've never said yes to Jesus, this could be your day reach out to us. That could be on your chat host if you're online with us today. We're glad you're here as well. But if you've never said yes to Jesus, you can do that. You can be part of that radical love family and and you can know for certain how valued you are. So take that next step. We'd love to help you with that. Uh, But for the rest of us, let's live that truth out that we're valued and loved and we can show that truth to the people around us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love and faithfulness. Help us to seek out your your kingdom first. Father, we know that we're, we're infinitely valued because we're yours. So, Lord, help us to live that truth out this week. And, Father, may we realize that we are, we are your masterpieces that, that are created for the good works you've prepared for us. So, Father, help us to be about that. And until you come back, may you get all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.